0: We have a very special guest on today's show. We are bringing on The Athletic's Daniel Popper to talk about everything that's happened at Chargers Training Camp so far.
1: You are locked on Chargers. Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmire. We've been covering the Chargers now for eight seasons together, but this is our sixth year as a host of the Locked On Chargers Podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen and to make sure you never miss the show and big interviews like this. Make sure you're subscribing and following for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also listening to the show wherever you get your podcast from. Daniel Popper is joining today's show talking about Justin Herbert and how he's fitting into Kellen Moore's offense, talking about the Chargers training camp getting a little bit chippier lately, and also the ups and downs of Quentin Johnston because he had a couple of really explosive plays at Wednesday's practice, and I'll talk about what I saw at Wednesday's practice, including Quentin Johnson, Scott Matlock having big days, and also just I like some of the drills the Chargers are running there. I'm really excited about kind of how they're trying to get better at some of the things they've been really bad at. But today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Here he is, Daniel Popper. All right, guys, well, here is our very special guest today, the dude who has been... Really putting in the Lord's work out on the Chargers training camp field. I report after every single practice, the number one place we go when we can't get to practice to figure out what's happening at practice. And of course, we're talking about the Athletics. Daniel Popper, he's the senior writer covering the Chargers for the Athletic. I told you guys before, even when Daniel Popper's not on, right? If you're not subscribing to the Athletic at this point, you're just missing out on so much that's happening in these yeah. training camp practices. But Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We can't tell you enough kind of how much we appreciate everything you've been doing. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me guys. Of course, man. Can't get you on enough. But one of the things I think that we were all looking forward to seeing once things opened up at training camp was just the new offense under Kellen Moore. And I think you've talked about it before, just, you know, airing it out and it's been much more aggressive offense, but how do you feel like Justin Herbert is fitting into this new offense so far? Because you see a lot of, you know, Justin Herbert's intercepted, you know, offense is struggling, but like, he's obviously trying to push the envelope and try new things in this new offense. How do you think he's kind of adapting to what he has around him now?
1: Yeah. I mean, from Justin's perspective, like I think it's looked really good so far. I mean, what you want to see And i forget if I talked about it with you guys or somebody else, like heading into camp, but like what you want to see is just um, a willingness to push the ball downfield. And yeah. so you create like Kellen Moore comes in, he creates a structure where these, um, deep shots are available to Justin and he creates a coaching philosophy and an emphasis to Justin of, Hey, we want you to take those shots, but you don't know if it's actually going to translate to the quarterback and how he plays that has absolutely translated. Cause Justin is very willing to push the ball down the field in a lot of situations where usually he might check it down to the running back in a Joe Lombardi offense. He's taking a shot. Like if he sees single coverage on the outside, instead of checking it down, he's, he's giving his receiver a chance to go make a play. And so, in that sense, I think it's been, um, you know, very positive um, for Justin Herbert. The other thing that's really jumped out is like I know you guys have seen the the, you know, the press conferences and stuff of guys saying like, oh, he's more in control, he's more in command, he's more confident. Like yeah. that is really coming through because the amount of stuff that he's doing at the line, just from watching at the si- on the sideline, is like miles and miles above what he he'd been doing in the past. Audible and changing plays. There was a, a red zone play, um, yet, in the scrimmage actually when the offense on Sunday, when the offense finally got into the red zone, it was like a third and two from inside the seven and Herbert actually like lined Austin Eckler up. It looked like he checked to a run call, got Austin lined up, split off, right in a shotgun, handed off to Eckler the shotgun and they got a first down like that kind of stuff. Like he's, he's very clearly in full command of this thing. And I think he has the confidence now in terms of what he's seeing to um, call out potential blitzes, change protections, change plays, and, and, like, there's a reason that every guy to a man is saying this about Justin Herbert. I think yeah. the guy that, it, like, that I put the most stock in is Corey Lindsley. For him to be saying that, to say, like, the awareness is through the roof, that means a lot because Corey doesn't just say stuff, A. And, B, yeah. a lot of that stuff in Justin's early years uh, in and Brandon Staley's um, regime, Corey was doing a lot of that. Yeah. Like, a lot of that fell onto Corey in terms of identifying the mic and changing protections and all of that stuff. And so for him to say that means – a lot to me and i think it aligns with sort of what i'm seeing in terms of justin operating at the line of scrimmage
2: yeah i mean i think that's that echoes everything that we've been hearing about justin just being a lot more confident being a lot more free and i and think
0: more open too. it seems yeah. like he's kind of you know starting to. They, everyone keeps saying he's so much more confident in himself right and yeah i think you see it with the team breakdowns and kind of how he's talking to everyone but it does feel like that there has been a little bit of a shift there i don't know he's never going to be you know rah-rah guy but it does feel like all of those things kind of go hand in hand
1: yeah and the money matters like the money matters like you know obviously like when you get when you get that size contract like it's a, it's like a load of money Sorry, <laughs> yeah exactly you, but, like, you're good so obviously like that's going to be um, like a factor in how you act right but like in locker rooms like that stuff matters like the guys that oh, are yeah. getting paid the most are going to command respect and i think justin's like looks at it as a big responsibility that an organization has invested for that long and that much money into him like he knows that part of this thing is to take on that next step in terms of his leadership but part of it too is just a natural progression yeah you know like as like anybody that's getting older like i'm turning 30 in a month like i'm learning new things all the time i feel like who i am now in terms of my maturation how i approach situations work social life whatever is very different than how i was three years ago as i've learned more and gained more experiences like these guys are human beings and so as justin goes from a 22 year old kid to a 25 year old you know young man right like that he's going to gain more experiences in terms of his life and how he approaches things. And so obviously you're going to see him come out of his shell a little bit more um, in that regard.
2: Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the guys that he's going to be throwing the football to here for the next few years is Quentin Johnston, And you wrote about Quentin Johnston in your Wednesday's practice report. And you c- kind of talked about some of the ups and downs that Quentin Johnson had. He had a caught a really long touchdown from Justin Herbert, but also has had some poor moments as well. What do you think are some fair expectations for the chargers rookie wide receiver in 2023?
1: Yeah, I think like the there's sort of this narrative that he, you know, is going to be wide receiver three and he's going to be taking, you know, 45, 50 snaps a game. Like, I don't think it's going to be that sure. right off the bat because he has a lot of learning to do in terms of like mentally understanding the NFL game, understanding the scheme, knowing where to line up, all of this different stuff. Right. Now, you have a guy in Josh Palmer who's a super complete receiver, and he's having a fantastic camp. He's looked awesome. Super smart player, always in the right spot, has the trust, the full trust of Justin Herbert, really good route runner, really good blocker. Like, he's a guy that the team really trusts. Yeah, and and he's been making a ton of plays in camp so far. And so you have a guy there that you feel really comfortable with. And then what's going to happen is early on, like like, so the way that Brandon Staley approaches this thing and how Kellen Moore has sort of um, approached it under Brandon Staley is like, hey, we're going to throw – Everything we have at these guys in the spring and summer, like the whole playbook and beyond, like every possible play, every possible concept we could, uh, you know, even consider running at some point during the season, we're going to throw at them. And then as they move into the season, like everything kind of shrinks and they consolidate and they figure out what they do well. Um, but then they can harken back to those moments in the spring and summer so that's not brand new during the season. It's something that they've already interesting or, that they've already touched on. And so, like, for a rookie like Quentin Johnston, like for any rookie in, in that kind of environment, like it's going to be a lot up front. But then once they get into the regular season, they're going to shrink this thing down for Quentin and be like, yeah. OK, here, here are the packages that you're playing in. Here are the things that we want you to do. You know, it's going to be those yak opportunities. It's going to be jet suites. It's going to be slants. It's going to be digs. Right. And then it's going to be go balls. And like, that's what you're going to do. And we're going to find ways to get the football in your hands to go make plays. And we're going to consolidate this thing and simplify this thing so that you can go out and play fast. And so, you know, in one regard, that's going to, that's going to be great for Quinton in terms of how he develops. But on the other hand, that sort of like puts a limit on how many snaps he can be playing. If he's, mm-hmm. if he's sort of consolidated to these specific packages and then they grow it as the season goes along. Like, yeah. so by week eight, he might that, – that pa- those packages might branch out. But I think early on, you're looking at Josh Palmer probably getting more snaps and then having these packages for Quentin Johnson where you can really have him comfortable with the routes that he's running and, and put him in positions where he can let his athleticism and explosiveness take over.
0: And that's what it kind of feels like, right? Even if it's not a full-blown battle for wide receiver three, it, it so far during training camp, he's at least shown the ability of, okay, first of all, the athleticism still jumps off the page even when you're seeing him on the field with other NFL athletes, right? But it's also – to the point where like, you feel like you kind of have to get him on the field in some way because he does just bring that element that none of those other wide receivers are bringing to this point. And also, right, it's also about injuries, right? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. We don't know what his role is going to be because we don't know how the season's going to play out. So it could become much bigger out of necessity. So it's nice to see him doing some of those big things. But looks super, super explosive. But one of the things the Chargers, and you've talked about it, and you've asked a lot of questions about it at the press conferences, is... Just the energy level and Brandon Staley kind of putting an emphasis on more energy during this year's training camp. And that's kind of turned into a little bit of chippiness, as you guys can read in Daniel Popper's, you know, the athletics practice report from Wednesday. But have you seen, does it feel like it's more chippy than other training camps? Because you've been here for a few years now. Are you kind of seeing that energy translation? Do you think it's kind of turned into more guys kind of being a little bit more chippy? we have more chargers training camp to get into with daniel popper but first i need to tell you guys that august is here and you know what that means the official start of fantasy football drafting month get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy it's really changing the way fantasy is done i love it all you have to do is do one live snake draft no waivers no trades underdog sets your best lineup for you every week try it out with underdogs best ball mania tournament that's happening right now which is a wild tournament the largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and even bigger with $15 million in total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner last year. The winner drafted their team in July. It's August, guys. Don't wait around. Underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football and the best place for best ball and we are working on a way to try to do our own little private jaft with our listeners which would be awesome so visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with the promo code locked on all caps to get your first deposit doubled up to a hundred dollars that's underdog fantasy promo code locked on
1: yeah i mean i think the energy's been pretty consistent since brandon staley has gotten here like it's something he's always emphasized in terms of building the practice structure in a way where guys can go out and really compete hard you know like and you know, that, like Keenan Allen said the other day, like this, the, like this is the easiest camp I've been a part of. Like what he was talking about is how they structure it. So they never mm-hmm. practice more than three days in a row. They're never doing more than two days in a row in pads. Like they're very cognizant of, you know, player performance in that way and yeah. like making sure that when these guys are on the practice field, they can really compete. And so when you create that environment in terms of your structure, like it's going to lead to some really competitive practices. And I think that we've seen that so far. And then I think like part of it, too, you mentioned what I wrote today just about the the running back linebacker one on ones um i think part of it is that at this point in camp you know you've been going against the same guys and you haven't been able to live tackle and all especially those position groups that's so contact-based like they are chomping at the bit to get out there and like play in live action and i think you're seeing a little bit of that the other part of it too is that you have some of these position groups where there's a ton of competition you know like running back right now like it's austin and then who knows Right, like somebody's going to step up, and so you know what goes into stepping up. Well, yeah, you got to run the football well, you got to catch the football out of the backfield, but you also got to pass protect, and you got to show a willingness to do it. And I think a lot of these running backs are hearing that from running back coach Derek Foster. Like, go out there and show us something in these periods. And then in, in, in the case of the linebackers, like Kenneth Murray has a ton to prove. Talking about yeah. a guy who got his fifth-year option declined. I mean, he's a human being. Like he sees all this on Twitter. Like that everyone's yeah. you know constantly like he's like everyone like these guys see it, you know. And so like. I'm sure that he's playing with a ton of fire, right? To show these this organization that he can be a long term solution at linebacker. That's that's what's at stake for him this season. And then you have a guy in Dayon Henley who's a rookie trying to make a role for himself with the team, you know. And so, like, I think part of it too is some of these position groups, and these are two really competitive position groups. Another one I threw out there is DB. Like, there's a there's a spot open there at Star, and you got your yeah. Taylor, you got Sante Samuel Jr. trying to find his way. Where is he going to play? um you know you've got dean leonard who's you know obviously carved out a role for himself on special teams but where does he fit into the secondary on the outside is there an extra spot available that there at safety um behind raheem lane alohi gilman jt woods derwin james is it mark webb is it michael Jacquet? like there's options here and space is available for guys if they go out there and make plays and so you know when you get into these one-on-one periods in some of these highly competitive rooms like you're going to get some action and, and i think you know, Brandon Staley's done a good job of really emphasizing that that he wants these guys to be playing at that with that type of intensity during practice.
2: Yeah, one of those camp battles that you talked about um, that is definitely going to be raging on throughout training camp is the running backs, those backup running backs, Isaiah Spiller versus Joshua Kelly. Definitely one of the biggest battles out there for that backup running back role. Do you think there has been any substantial movement in that battle as the Chargers head into their first preseason game? Not yet. I mean, you
1: can't you can't really evaluate running backs until until they get into live action right like there's obviously some evaluation that is that has taken place i think both guys are running well um you know joshua kelly had a red zone touchdown in in the scrimmage yep um yesterday i thought isaiah spiller had a really great practice rattling off a few um you know five yard runs in a row um he's different physically i mean he was a 20 year old when he was drafted so just like that year from 20 to 21 is huge especially when he has a full off season to uh you know really work on his body and, and build up that physicality um, he his running style reminds me so much of Justin Jackson, like like a That's bigger, more physical, um, like more physically imposing Justin Jackson. Because obviously Justin okay. Jackson, like size wise, isn't as small is, but just the the vision, the patience, um, some of that like smoothness shifty. in terms of how he cuts. Yeah, very shifty. Like reminds me a lot of, of justin jackson and justin jackson was a great player just like he was uh, yep. injury sort of derailed it i mean he's, he's done some things with the lions recently um but yeah like i think you know this preseason game is going to be huge for a lot of guys that spot is one spot i'm going to be watching very very closely because i think both those guys are going to get considerable reps you think um, it's fully open though at this point even though josh yeah. kelly
0: kind of had it last year like you, they're going into a blank slate going into
1: preseason game one yeah, I think they're they're dead even right now, and and these preseason games are going to be big. You know, another one I'd point out is, you know, J.T. Woods. This is a huge, huge game for J.T. Woods. Yeah, like massive. He's going to get a lot of snaps. Um, and you know, a big thing for him was tackling. You know, and can't do that in practice, right? So you know they're gonna they're gonna be able to really evaluate where J.T. Woods as as a tackler. Um, in this game and that's also going to be a big thing I'm watching in the preseason game
0: huge and, and the other guy right that you talked about a little bit let's talk about Kenneth Murray because he is easily one of the guys that has been the most kind of hyped up during this training camp so far and and not even talking about you know writers like you talking about what he's doing in practice but like multiple different guys have gone out of their way when asked questions about Eric Kendricks to bring up Kenneth Murray in their response right yeah, unprompted. And talking about, unprompted surely, yeah and, but like Obviously for Chargers fans, it's so hard to buy in and Kenneth Murray because, you know, he's everyone's breakout player every year. It's year four where he's kind of disappointed so far in the first three seasons. Are you buying into the hype? Have you seen a noticeable difference? Obviously we have to see him tackle and that's going to be a huge part of it. But like it, from your writing, maybe reading between the lines, it feels like you think he's kind of getting to the right spot more than we were seeing from him in years past.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair characterization. I think particularly in the run game, um, it feels like he's in position more often and I'll go a step further and say that it feels like his key diagnose is at a different level. And he's not um, he's not waiting. There isn't that sort of that moment of hesitation that you've seen with him in the past. Like he's diagnosing plays and he's going and and fitting up runs and getting in the hole when he needs to. Um, Now, like a lot of it's going to depend on like what actually happens in, in live action. But he, to me looks like a more confident, more comfortable player. And I think that's the reason that you're seeing a lot of these guys talking about him. I am actually talking to, or supposed to talk to Kenneth Murray tomorrow. So I'm planning on having a uh, little nugget on him from that conversation in the, uh, in the report. So make sure you, you check on that because did you I'm talk really... to
0: Spiller? Cause I didn't, he wasn't at a press conference, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I talked to Spiller after practice today. So I might have a little like two part nugget from him and uh, from Kenneth and in a report coming up or maybe I'll read it on Friday. I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly really curious to just talk to Kenneth because I what I'm seeing is a more confident, comfortable player. Yeah. And I want to feel like like it. Do you feel that way? He's probably yeah, I want to hear yes. it. Yeah. And if he says yes, like what is different? Like, do you tell me specifically like point, point to a play where you like saw that difference materialize? And I'm yeah. hoping that, you know, it'll give me a little bit of, of clarity and a little bit of insight into like what I'm actually seeing out there.
2: Do you think we see him at all on the preseason? It's a good question.
1: Um, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, like, I don't think Eric's going to play Eric Hendricks. So, yeah. you know, they don't have that many bodies. And I-, I think, like, um I think him playing in the preseason is important. You know, we'll see. I mean, like. In the past, they've made some decisions based on the depth that they had. I don't know if you remember when Jerry. Jerry Tillery, yeah, <laughs> that was that had nothing to do with how play, Jerry, yeah. Jerry Tillery was as a player. It had everything to do with like the depth that they had behind. Um, just not him and, like n- yeah, like an injury there would have been sort of devastating, and it's kind of a similar situation. You know, I think Amon Agbamiya would be the next guy up over Dayon, just based on how the um, rotation's been going. But yeah, he's caught like. Like love Kenneth Murray or hate Kenneth Murray, like he is an important piece in the defense because there is a a significant drop off after him in terms of the depth that they have.
2: Well, we we talked about the scrimmage a little bit, but uh, it it seemed to be pretty ugly, at least early on for the offense, due to the fact that Justin Herbert was under constant pressure. We love the starting offensive line. I think we feel really good about that. But how much concern should there be with the depth on the offensive line, specifically at tackle?
1: Yeah, I I didn't read too far into it because not only was Rashawn out, and not only was Trey playing very very limited snaps, Trey Jenkins right tackle, Rashawn Slater left tackle, obviously. Zach Bailey was out for the practice as well, and he'd kind of been like a swing tackle type guy. On top of that, they um, they're not kicking Jamari out right now, like they want him to play at right guard. And so, like in like a really like if it's a game and you don't have Rashawn, like I think you at least have to consider kicking Jamari out. So you're talking about. That'd be about really
0: it. interesting yeah, if he's this yeah. real swing tackle, right? Because, yeah. like, last year, I mean, usually they've been pretty hesitant to move things around. But I think the other part of that is, is like, do you have a guard enough you feel good about? Do they feel good about, you know, someone like Will Clap enough? to push him out to tackle because I feel like if Jamari Sawyer's the tackle and you're sw- swapping out the guard, I think it would probably make Chargers fans feel a lot better. I think about that situation.
1: Yeah. Like I think it's, it sort of depends on like what the injury is. I mean, we're going down a rabbit hole here, but like, let's say Rashawn Slater has like a hamstring and is going to miss one game. Yeah. Like you're probably not going to kick Jamari out in that situation. They're probably going to play Foster Sorel left tackle or Zach Bailey. Um, you know, if it's like a long-term injury to one of those guys, then you probably make a different decision and potentially kick Jamari out there because you are going for a longer period of time without one of those players. So, you know, getting back to the scrimmage, like, so that's, you know, three tackles effectively down. So you had Austin Pleasants playing like first team reps at right tackle against Joey Bosa and Cole right. Mack. And so like, it was hard for me to really read into it. Like Austin Pleasance, sure. isn't, I, I don't think he's going to make the team. And so you're talking about like what was effectively like a fourth string player. Yeah. You know, going up against two of the best edge rushers in the league. And so, like, yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. You know,
0: so. <laughs> oh, sure. But it was just alarming because it was like eight sacks, right? It's like we didn't really get to see much. Or, like, it felt like it, at least. I don't know. I had you I exactly have nine remember.
1: sacks in the practice. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I, was, yeah.
0: I, I knew it was uh, approaching double digits. But yeah, watching Austin Pleasants out there was not a fun experience for the stands or the fans in the stands for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, the offense is, it's just going to look different when you have Rashawn Slater and and Trey Pipkins out there versus some of these other guys. But then like, you know, it's not just like, okay, it's our second string guys. It's like, you're talking about like a potential, like fourth string player playing against first team players. And like, it's just going to be a mismatch. And so on one hand, you get some good evaluation on some of these depth pieces totally on the, on the other hand like how much can you really evaluate like your offense in this scrimmage yeah. situation when you don't when you don't feel like the protection is anywhere close to what it's going to be during the season so sort of a yeah. and take there
0: yeah well and i mean you know you're blowing everything down after contact and things like that as well so it's like you can only ever get so much evaluation out of that anyways but i do think you know for the Chargers, it's like you've had a a starting tackle miss, I think, at least 14 games the last couple of seasons, right? Whether it's Storm Norton taking over for Brian Bulaga or last year, obviously, Jamari Sawyer filling in for Rashawn Slater. But it's been, you know, something that has plagued this team for a long time. So, hopefully, Foster Sorrell is the guy that kind of, you know, we've heard a lot of good things. Duke Manyweather saying he's the most improved guy at his camp this year. He will play a, you know, pivotal role as probably one of the guys that is, you know, one of the most likely to make it. You like you you, Yeah, I mean,
1: He, I feel like this is me going on a rant here, but I feel like <laughs> a lot go, of go. times, like, rant people, away. Put, people put too much stock in some of these PFF stats. Like, I think that they are valuable, but if your entire opinion is based on just PFF stats, you're going to be wrong, like, yeah. a lot of the time, you know? And so, like, okay, people look at that game against San Francisco and they say, okay, he gave up five pressures or whatever it is. Bad player, full stop. It's like, well, that's not true. You know, like what's the context there? Okay. You have a player making his first career start going up against arguably the best edge rusher in the league for, you know, however many dropbacks Justin had in that game. The other best. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. So he gave up five pressures, but like on 45 dropbacks, 40 of those reps, he's battling his ass off and playing really well in his first ever start against an elite, elite, elite player. Like that's the context. And so like, You want to know why he's back? You want to know why he's in the rotation as a potential swing tackle? Well, he showed them something in that game that he could potentially grow into a more reliable player, and he put in the work this offseason with Duke Manyweather, as you said, down with Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins in Dallas, and, like, okay, like, now he's looked like a guy who can be that potential depth piece there where you throw him in there, and is it going to be, like, beautiful? Probably not, but, like, he's going to battle and potentially give you a shot, and, like, it's hard. Like, it's really hard to find tackles in the NFL, and so if you can groom and develop a guy who can go in there and potentially give you a shot to win like that's all you're looking for from these depth pieces this idea that you're gonna have like three or maybe four like starting caliber tackles is sure. like ridiculous because half the league yeah. doesn't even have two of them right you know right, right. so 100 Yep. that's my that's my rant like watch, the, <laughs> hey, watch no watch, I mean watch the tape you pff warriors
0: yeah no pff warriors <laughs> i mean uh, they're everywhere, you know, they're everywhere. But, I, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to really like to hear that about Foster Sorrell, though, cause just because, I mean, hey, he, we've seen that position be super important for the Chargers over the last couple of years. And, I mean, all you want to do is avoid, you know, talking about a 49ers game, former 49ers, Senio Kelamete situation where he came in off the streets because they didn't want to play Brendan Hymas. And that was like a, a wild, wild game. But Daniel Popper, the most plugged-in man at Chargers training camp, can't tell him enough how much we appreciate him coming on the show. And again, if you're not following him at Daniel R. Popper on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, you're doing yourself a disservice. And if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, make sure you go do that because this man is really grinding out here. Daniel, the the training camp days are almost over, buddy. You're going to make it, I think. But, hey, thank you so much, not just for coming on the show today, but just for your outstanding performance covering this team man can't tell you how much we appreciate it
1: appreciate you guys thanks for having me on
0: another thank you to daniel pomper for coming on the show he truly is the best but i do want to talk about what i saw at chargers training camp because i was out there every day or for you making the drive up to orange county getting a little sunburn on my face it looks like tweeting
2: like a madman
0: tweeting like a madman for sure but it was awesome david i know the quentin johnson it's been up and down but like man it's so appealing when you see him he had a 50 yard touchdown from max duggan we didn't talk about daniel popper it was kind of a second move on a seven on seven which is kind of hard to really evaluate but touchdown there gets a nice 30 yard gain to start the move the ball period for the chargers when they're working on their middle eights which we'll talk about too and obviously a deep bomb over cam brown like man it's i know it's gonna be a process but it's so hard you know luckily he's setting reasonable expectations for us not to get crazy excited
2: yeah, it's hard though, man. It, it really is. When you watch these clips and you see Quentin Johnston getting open quickly and then being able to track the football and being able to bring it in and and really just be able to cover ground so quickly, you just see it. You can envision it. You can see what it would look like on Sundays, scoring touchdowns, making explosive plays, just getting that those yards after the catch. It's exciting. You can't help but see that.
0: Yeah, he did have a couple of bad plays, too. He had a bobble on a gotta-have-it situation. It was a third down. He bobbled it, got it broken up on a kind of wide receiver screen pass. And then he had a play where, as Daniel Popper put it, didn't really fight through hard enough trying to get back to a football that Justin Herbert was trying to squeeze into a tight window on fourth down. You got to treat it like fourth down, Rook, even though it's practice. Every rep is important. But Scott Matlock, a guy we talked about on yesterday's show, a guy we were excited to see, I think had his best day at the practice on Wednesday. He had one where he broke through the line of scrimmage and made a tackle for loss. Also, later on in the the move-the-ball period when the defense is trying to get off the field, he breaks through, has a pressure on Easton Stick. Maybe it's a sack, but let him go, obviously, and then forces a kind of a wild throw from Easton Stick and gets the ball back to the Chargers' offense. I mean, David, he's such an exciting player to get excited about because he just kind of has that vibe around him. He's a soul snatcher you know, taking another grown men's job and stuff like that. But it was nice to see him put the pass rush moves on display and kind of show, like, hey, there is something here.
2: Well, I think one thing that you neglected to include in your tweet that you put out there, which was one of my favorite parts, is that he got a tackle for loss with the first team defense and looked like he roared afterwards. And you said it was on brand.
0: I couldn't hear it. But <laughs> but you saw it,
2: and you know that's what that looked like. I mean, yeah, I mean, come on now. That's pretty unmistakable. But Scott Matlock getting some run with the first-team defense and making plays. Yeah. That's all you can ask for for a guy that you drafted in, in the later round that you expect to get some run in, that, in in that defensive line rotation. All you want to do is see him make plays. He made some splash plays. Hopefully he keeps that up and keeps that rolling into the preseason.
0: Whenever I think my beard is red, I just go look at Scott Mallock, and then you know it, that's a red uh, beard, right it there, puts it to shame for sure. But I also <laughs> want to touch on just what the Chargers were doing at practice. A lot of situational work, right? A lot of work on fourth, and third downs, gotta kind of have it situations. We've seen that from them before. The one I loved the most though was great open field tackling drills, where the receivers were catching screen passes and then going one on one with the defensive back, who was about ten yards off the line of scrimmage. They throw the pass, the defender has to go downhill as quick as possible, full speed, and make a tackle. I love seeing that because that's somewhere we've seen the Chargers struggle, especially in the secondary, and I think that's a great drill to try to improve that.
2: I mean, I think this is just very beautiful to watch. This is the Chargers acknowledging issues that they had last year that were glaring and yeah. then designing specific drills to address that problem. Yeah. That is smart. That is the the uh, the mark of a good coaching staff that understands their deficiencies and, and addresses it by building mechanisms to allow them to improve those things that's what you want
0: absolutely another one they did today which was a little different was the middle eight as popper and some of the coaches talked about which is the last four minutes of the first half first four minutes of the second half chargers fans don't need a you know a lecture on that the everydayers no i mean that was a place that they really really struggled well at least on wednesday's practice they ended the half right with a touchdown to Quentin Johnson. And then after that, they ended up getting a touchdown to open up the second half. Third quarter scoring is what we're talking about on today's show, people. But, yeah, I just love it. It's a little different. And you can definitely see kind of the practicality of what they're doing. Exactly what they're trying to improve on. I've talked about all camp. How tackling has been a huge emphasis. It's been a much bigger emphasis than when I've seen them in years past. It continued, right? And they're just getting so... The last thing you want to see is the Anthony Lynn team, right? That was just totally unready for these big moments in specific yeah. situations like that was so messy this is a team that looks like it's you know kind of firing on all cylinders or at least getting ready to be able to be ready for any situation that unveils
2: well when you want to blow teams out when you want to put games away those yeah. opportunities to score before half and after halftime are critical And the Chargers, the last several years, have not done a good enough job of capitalizing in those moments. You just feel like there's been way too many missed opportunities, way too many of the clock running out, way too many of the wrong plays being called. You like to see them drilling that and improving upon that because, like I said, that is how you put teams away.
0: But that is going to do it for today's show. We appreciate everyone coming you know, on here today and listening to Daniel Popper. He was awesome. And Thank you to everyone who said what's up at Chargers Training Camp. That was the last day I was going to be all to go. I had a ton of fun going out there with you guys. But make sure you guys are back here tomorrow because we are previewing the very first preseason game for the Chargers and who has the most to prove, who we're most excited to watch, and also just get into whatever happens at Thursday's practice. So to make sure you don't miss it, go subscribe or follow for free on the Longtime Chargers YouTube channel and listen to the show wherever you get your podcast from, and you can do both. It's not just one or the other. And you can also find the show every day on all of our social media. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Jogmeyer on Twitter or X at DrotalkSD, as well as the show's page at LockedOnLAC. But we will be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.